Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing episode of UAP Studies Podcast. Jay, I'm super jacked. We have another powerhouse woman in ufology, and we've been getting a few lately, and it's very refreshing. Absolutely. Um, she's been an influence on us because she's produced a lot of the shows that we've seen. She started a lot of the shows that we've seen before we even started the podcast. So it's amazing to have Melissa on today. Yeah, I mean, she uh, produced Ancient Aliens the first four or five seasons, and we want to ask her about that. And she's made documentaries and done all kinds of cool stuff. She's a good ambassador for the the movement, as well as for women in ufology. So uh, we'll be right back. uh, And we're really excited about our guest, Melissa Tittle. All right, welcome back to another UAP Studies episode. My name is Louis Borges. Joining me as always, my good buddy and illustrious co-host, Jason Gilman. How are you? I'm doing good, brother. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing really good. I'm really happy we've been getting some uh, really powerful women on the on the topic and in the field on the show lately. Absolutely. Uh, today is no exception. We're super excited. Uh, today's guest is a TV and filmmaker. She's a producer, an investigative journalist. Uh, right now, she's the creative CEO for Hathor uh, Studios. Um, their topics range from like meditation and human potential to, you know, a- ancient aliens and civilizations and all that good stuff. Uh, you've probably seen her on shows like Hangar One, UFO Files and UFO Witness. And she's done a lot. So we want to we welcome to the show today, Melissa Tittle. Hey, everybody. So awesome to be here. Thanks. We're super excited to have you here. Uh, we sent a lot of requests out to uh, big name people and people are busy. So we really appreciate your time. And uh, uh, we kind of have similar thoughts on things as to you, you know, let's not get too caught up in the minutia, more like, what does this actually mean? And where is this all going? So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, excited to have you maybe tell a little bit, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, before you got into this stuff and uh, what lot led you to getting into it and where you're at now. Awesome. First of all, I will say I'm so honored to be here. Uh, You guys have a great platform for just talking about the space and what could be happening out there. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I love this question. I love this question because I like I feel like where do you get started? Right. So (laughs) um, I'll say that from a very young age, I was always pretty fascinated with the unknown, you know, whether it was the understanding of like ghosts or even from like, I think age 10, I was into ancient Egyptian stuff. And, and uh, my dad was in the military uh, when I was younger. So we, uh, we talked about aliens. We talked about other religious beliefs. Um, that was one of the things my parents really wanted to teach us was all the different religions. And, and, um, and from an early age, I realized that the stories were sort of the same. So it was no coincidence that once I chose my career path, which was storytelling, um, and I went to school for TV and film and then found myself in LA that I immediately um, <clears throat> find myself working at Paramount Studios for sci-fi films because I've been a huge nerd for that stuff since I was little. You know, comic books. I, I'm like that like tomboy, like tough chick, like growing up who like loved nerdy dude stuff. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's cool. <clears throat> And then from there, I, I worked on a NASA show uh, with History Channel. It was the first time History Channel had attempted to do, uh, I'm trying to word this the right way, uh, a smart show trying to explain what was happening in the universe. Because remember, mainstream is just copying where the audience is at. 
And this show is called The Universe. And this was our collaboration with NASA and professors trying to explain how space worked. And it was an awesome show, pretty fascinating. And then from there, Ancient Aliens. And that just took it to another level. So yeah. I produced the first five seasons of Ancient Aliens. And um, yeah, I just kept going deeper and deeper because those were the questions I had. And now that there was a platform that was successful, this was just the beginning, and it was the beginning of people in mainstream asking, but wait a second, there's all these strange, ironic coincidences. Are they connected? Is there something supernatural happening? Aliens, something else? Like what, there's something's weird going on. And that has escalated, I'd say for the last 10 years. So you, you mentioned that you talked to your dad quite a bit about different stuff he talked about ufos did was he ever a witness to a ufo or anything like that mm, or- no he not in the military uh my grandfather was stationed at oh my god not edwards air force base um oh my god i can't remember it was, it's in washington state uh, he was stationed there in 1952 um, and the day my dad was born, there was a UFO sighting on the base. Oh, wow. And my grandfather had saved the newspaper article. We used to talk about it all the time. We used to tease my dad that he was from outer space or something. Um, <laughs> but it really got my dad thinking, um, and talking about it with us because as his military career went on in the air force, there was talk about, well, in small circles, well, if that's true, I mean, what what are our capabilities from a military standpoint? Yeah. And I always thought that was funny because people think, oh, it's our technology. Well, you go back to 1952, like you mentioned, that wasn't our technology. We didn't have that at the time. And I still don't think that we have that technology now, right? But yeah, it's interesting to hear stories like that, that usually somebody in the family or a friend knows an event that took place or had an event that took place. Uh, I often mentioned it um, before that, you know, when I was doing insurance, I'd had people that would just start talking to me about their experiences and I never asked them a single thing. They'd just lean over like, I saw them once, you know, I'd be like, what? <laughs> like the hair on my arms would just stand up. Like I didn't ask him. He knew you were a safe place, man. That you oh, could talk to you about that stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm oh. talking about life insurance. Why are we talking about aliens? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just crazy. They would just bring it up. And then I would be like, wow, it's amazing. The amount of people that have experiences and that it motivates me to, to continue to, you know, research this. And it's awesome to see that your career, uh, it was also, uh, it's also an interest of yours that this is, Usually there's a drive behind that. Like somebody has a, a sighting or stuff like that. What Did you ever have a sighting or is this just an interest that you have? <clears throat> no, um, which uh, is always disappointing. I feel going to be interviewed. I've never had a sighting. Um, I haven't seen any little aliens I haven't had, but I've had really strange supernatural experiences. And I use the word supernatural because I really don't think we know it's in any dimension. Um, what we think is a ghost could be alien, right? So right. I'll just use it as a blanket term. I've definitely had experiences with things that don't seem human. Um, but I think my drive from a young age, and especially getting into telling stories and uh, producing, was that I just found that it's it's not, I, I don't want to find the truth because I think the truth is, is relevant to the person listening or talking, right? Mm, yeah. 
I think that the most important thing to do is to gather data, create patterns, and say, what is going on in this field of existence that we can then understand? Because once we accept that aliens are real, or that we accept that we saw a UFO, or we accept that there's other interdimensional beings living, they do exist. And that doesn't mean that they exist because we think they are. They exist because now we're ready to see it. So I think like my job is to dive into the many truths of the, of the people that have been collecting data for years, the people that have had sightings, the people that are dragged out of their bed at night. Um, all of those people are relevant into understanding what's happening in the unknown. I have a lot of respect for people in your field that actually produce this media and these shows and documentaries. And we all kind of take it for granted. There's a common wealth of knowledge right now that most people that are enthusiasts sort of know about this. But if it wasn't for the programming and the ancient aliens and all these other documentaries we've watched, like 30 years ago, there was nothing about aliens on TV. It's just sci-fi movies. Now there's legitimate information on networks like history and discovery that you can kind of feed that thirst in your brain with good stuff. And that's the only reason we do this show. It's a tsunami of bad information out there. But there is some good info. So I have a lot of respect for, again, people like yourself and and really committed to not just making movies. I mean, you went to school to be a filmmaker. You could make films about anything. But right. without people that know about it enough to make sure that it's accurately represented, like, to, you know, otherwise the fans would say, well, it's nonsense. It's all mixed and garbled. It wouldn't be a good resource. But you guys are putting out like encyclopedia worthy stuff. And maybe in 40 years, it will be in an encyclopedia as the initial kind of trickle effect of this info. So kudos to you guys. Hopefully. Um, I mean, you know, just to finish that thought, because, you know, you want to know, because what you really asked was, well, what's the root? Like, OK, we get you want to <clears throat> investigate people in the many truths <laughs> and create patterns. But I think the only way we are going to understand who we are as humans is if we figure out and discover something that's not human. I feel like that we're chasing our tails, talking about policies and um, people and things and religious beliefs and all this crap. And the thing is, is that we haven't found out the one thing that would make any other species investigate us in the first place. Right. And I think that that is the goal for me is if let's define what that human potential is in the field of discovering how big this universe is and what's out there. So a question for you, has anything changed in your way of thinking since the start of this? Did you like before didn't believe in abduction cases, but as you were going along, you've become more convinced that it might be a thing or is there anything like that, that you've changed your opinion on? Because we've changed our opinion quite a bit on a lot of subjects. And we're now covering those subjects. So did you have anything like that? Um, hmm. Okay, I have to get out of my journalistic head. So my journalistic head, I would say no, because um, I don't want to attach myself to any belief system because I want to keep it open right. so that I'm a conduit coming through of knowledge so people can decide what they think is real. But if I take that hat off, <laughs> I'm just Melissa. Um, I would say because there's so many stories coming out more and more it, it, every year, every month, it's increasing, no matter what resource is collecting the data. Um, I would say in the last 
four months, I believe that we are getting closer and closer to some kind of contact situation, considering the government is ramping up their involvement and their wanting to tell people that they're interested in them. And I think people will say, well, that's because they have an agenda. Well, of course, maybe they do. But but why? Unless yeah. something might be happening sooner than we think. I mean, we're making oxygen on Mars right now. I mean, what are the probabilities that we are going to run into some other species, some other being, you know, whether it's biological or some other kind of makeup? I think that we are getting closer to that. I think one of the statements like, are we alone in the universe is going to be the most laughed at question in history, because once we find out the amount of life forms that are out there, we might be in shock and it's going to make us feel super, super small. I often think that maybe um, we're not ready for disclosure because we're not ready to deal with like even the war that's going on right now in Ukraine and Russia. We fight ourselves. We kill ourselves. Uh, I, I don't know if we're capable of accepting another species unless they're going to intervene and, and show us a different way of life, you know, and share with us their technology. I don't know what the effects of that is going to be socially, if it's going to be accepted or if it's going to be an issue. Yeah, but I think that's why there's so much talk happening about it, because I feel that um, the more and more people believe it could be a possibility, the less panic. I mean, there'll be definitely some panic, but um, I think uh, there's always going to be people that don't want to believe, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. no offense to the people that believe there's a flat earth, but there's a percentage of people that no matter what, the earth is flat and that's it. So no matter what, there's people are going to hide out and say aliens aren't real. Done. Great. But for 80%, 88% of the rest of the world that is witnessing something on TV and, and interacting with something, that might be real. So yeah. I think also that I don't think, I think it's going to take something monumental for people to let go of these things that, that they feel they have to believe. Right. Um, we're trying, we're, there's governments all over the world trying to create policies over how to, how to be more humane, but that needs to come from humans. That that's what they demand, that there is nothing else that doesn't have anything to do with uh, Republicans or Democrats or any other par party or any other country. That is the human potential that you're talking about, that, that right. I feel that the discovery of extraterrestrial life will immediately bring to the forefront. Who are we? What are our capabilities? And why are we in this universe and how do we survive? Right. Yeah, they didn't get advanced by blowing themselves up. It was from probably collecting resources, pooling, advancing consciousness. They, they stopped the game and they realized what we're actually capable of as sentient beings you know and that's probably yeah they probably had a head start in terms of years i guess you would need one maybe not maybe if they just you know collaborated more efficiently it doesn't take billions of years to become more advanced than we are maybe we're retarding our progress because we're so busy just making weaponry and looking at the minutiae and not actually seeing what else could be out there you know and that's where we spend our money so you know it would be yeah. fitting that that's the result yeah. I mean, and there's also that whole idea of, of um, you know, in the future, will half of us be AI, right? 
That's right. that conversation which I was starting. We're starting with the chips in the brain and then you know, if we can replace parts of the body, like when, just think of that. Like, let's take the aliens out of the whole, let's take the aliens out of the whole thing. We're going to have a crisis on this planet deciding who's really human if half of your body is AI, yeah. Yeah. Right? right? So if we never discover any other life form, we're going to have a crisis on the planet with that conversation. So we're we, headed into something. We can't even figure out if babies are human until they're born. You know yeah. what I mean? Like how, the how many weeks is it a life? Yeah, exactly. Right. We can't even figure that out. Um, yeah, you make a very valid point. And as technology progresses, we would change biologically as well because we start modifying ourselves. Like even M Michael Paul Masters, uh, when he was on, was describing how we change physically from when we first started as, as humans to now and if you mm -hmm. continue down that road in the future like louis explain it better than i i can do you want to explain what he uh, mentioned yeah well basically he's an anthropologist so he's used to looking at bones and you know like old things and he basically theorizes that we're look we look different than we did as neanderthals right our jaws are shrinking that's why we're having wisdom tooth issues uh, our hands are changing because we're not hunting and foraging our you know our, our heads are growing so he goes if you just continue that progression and fast forward our heads continue to grow our jaws shrink uh you know our ears and everything else that causes like a protrusion of our eyes if we're maybe living somewhere else with thinner gravity or whatever, less of it, we have no more muscle mass. We basically become grays in a million years anyway, regardless. So maybe it's not aliens. Maybe it's us in the future. And he has a, a theory. It's called the is it extra tempestrial. Extra tempestrial model. Super cool yeah. idea that this is not, none other than us in the future who figured out time travel, who are now coming back to harvest genetic material or maybe prevent some huge destruction event or who knows, right? Or maybe it's a seeding and it's an acceleration of our, um, you know, us getting there. We're trying to come back and speed it up for the benefit of the future. It's pretty deep. I mean, you'd have to read his book, but, but yeah, very cool theory coming from a science doctorate, you know? Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, I, I've heard that theory before. Maybe it was him and I just didn't put that together, but but, uh, but that makes sense because a lot of these abduction stories where they're harvesting eggs or sperm or yeah. genetic material, um, they do say that they're harvesting it because they're helping us as a human race. Um, also, there was a case I was I was just uh, interviewed for the Whitley Stryber series on Discovery Plus okay. called The Visitors. Um, little plug. It's really good. It's actually really scary, but it's it's done really well. Um, it's called the visitors. There's this woman on there who was interviewed and her experience was she was, she was already pregnant. Uh, she was laying in bed and the, the couple grays came in and there was like a, a big, tall gray. I don't know if it was a tall white, but tall gray. Um, and they, cause I'm not sure what sex it is, came over and put their hand on her belly. And she, of course, freaked out because she's like six, seven months pregnant. Right. Right. And um, they said that there was something wrong with the child. And she's like, why are you doing this? And, and they said, why are you so scared? And she said, because you're ugly. And the, the bean said, you're going to be us very soon. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I've heard other people say that. They ask, like, who are you? And they're like, we are you. You are us. Like, we are the same kind of thing. So. Right. Cool. Lots of commonality with that. Yeah. Yeah, and before, again, that was a theory that I threw out. 
um, out the window because I didn't think, ah, oh, that, that's not logical. But again, the more we talk to people, the more that keeps popping up. And we mentioned the scary scenario is that it's all of the above. It's us from the future. Yeah. It's interdimensional entities. Mm-hmm. It's extra extraterrestrial entities. You know, it could be a multitude of things. That's why we're seeing different things in the sky. That's why UFOs or UAPs now uh, don't look the same. You know, they all have a different shape and the classic saucer shape. We don't see that as much anymore. We see the orbs, you know, popping up, you know, three at a time or whatever, doing stuff in the sky. So it's interesting. I, I think that we're dealing with a multitude of, of species. It's not just one. And you've covered that many times on, on your different programs that, you know, you're talking about the tall whites. There's the tall grays, the short grays, the brown grays, which is weird. Insectoids, mantids, reptilians, yeah. all exactly. I mean, the list is a mile long. Yeah, the so Nordics, the yeah, Nordic lawns, yeah, blue avians. That's like yeah. the Anunnaki, the blue feather people. Yep, the That'd blue feather people. Cool. Yeah. yeah, that'd yeah, be interesting. You never hear an abduction about that, right? The blue feathered people. They don't even ufologists to think you're nuts at that point. Like, come on, man. Tell <laughs> tell everyone it was a gray. Don't be talking about bird people with blue feathers. What the hell's the matter with you? Cat beans, you know, heard that. Not so much in abduction cases, but people like come in contact with cat beans, I guess. Okay. But, but, um, yeah, but the, I'd say that there's like a whole cast of characters that seem to be coming here a lot. In the yeah. ladies and Nordics, everyone's like, they're so pretty. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned uh, changing opinions, and not only do we and everybody else have to kind of wrap our brains around this, but it's interesting to hear people that have like, many decade long careers like George Knapp, for example, we had him on a couple months ago and we love George Knapp. So we're like talking about Bob Lazar and all this. And he was talking about his book, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon. And I said, you know, explain that. Like, what is the connection here? And he basically like went into it and said, look, I've been a nuts and bolts UFO guy for 30 years. And now it's everything. It's cryptids and Bigfoot and portals and, you know, uh, blue orbs and all this shit. And people are taking home uh, random illnesses when they have contact with these things and, you know, obscure autoimmune diseases like Hashimoto's. And his wife has had really weird stuff that he didn't even want to talk about. And we're just like, holy cow, like George Knapp has changed his opinion on what this actually is. It's he went down the rabbit hole and it's crazier than he even thought. And uh, I think more and more of that's coming out now. And as you mentioned, the government's starting to really look at this. And maybe this is just the natural course of how it was going to go anyway. Maybe it's spurred on from the Tic Tac video and movements like guys like Tom DeLonge and all the rest. Maybe it's been from good TV programming that you've been producing for a decade, right? But either way, I think it's positive and I think it's good to have uh, not a fixed opinion. <clears throat> and in fact, we have Jock Valet coming on for our 100th episode. And the biggest thing I took away from that interview with him was he said, we have to suspend judgment. And like, he's a guy that should be fixed in his ways and no, you guys are crazy. It's always been this way. And he's just like, suspend judgment. Just when you think you've got this, it's like a handful or a fistful of sand. You have it one second and then it's gone a second later. So suspend judgment because it really is stranger than you can think at some point. Yeah. And I think the more we talk about it, it's not so strange anymore. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, the the idea of humans flying in the air was so strange until somebody figured that out. Now yeah. flying so we did it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that um, 
we create our reality and, and there's definitely something pushing through, really pushing our consciousness to understand though. I mean, it's, I think it's been so intense the last couple of years, not just because I'm in it, but because there's just so many different outlets publishing things and it yeah. seems okay. I mean, just a couple of years ago, if you talked about aliens on a TV show, they'd be like, well, I mean, like a little green man, you know, there's like that, like jokey jokiness yeah. about it. Yeah. Stigma. But now that's a conversation you can have with a bunch of housewives. And they're like, I've heard of that. Yeah. I don't know if I believe, but it, you know, it's, it's more not, mainstream. It's more, it, it's happening around us. Yeah. And so, that, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, uh, no, no, no. I was going to ask you uh, on the the basis of consciousness. So you, do you think that there's validity to like the CE5, like the contacts that people are making or stating that they're making? I've never participated in it myself, but do you think there's a validity there? Yes, a hundred percent. Again, yeah, I think so too. I don't know, but it is is definitely happening. And and I and um, there's there's two things I want to say about this. People, humans. I mean, all we know is that the Sumerians were around six thousand years ago and, and created a civilization. But for, let's just say for hundreds of thousands of years, humans or whatever it was of humans have been in contact with something in another dimension. That has been happening. And there's cave paintings about it. There's whole religions writ about, written about it. This is something that how they are doing it, they're maybe not doing a CE5, but they're doing some other kind of meditation and they're connecting with something. And they are simulating uh, actions within that. You know, This is something that ancient Egyptians talk about um, in several texts, in several different temples, about how they're working with something on the other side. Now, CE5, their whole goal is to bring something into existence and then communicate with it and have this experience with them. That, is, that isn't any different than all the other stuff I just explained that has been going on since the beginning of time. So the question is, what are we communicating with? And I don't think it's the same being or the same group or the same intention or the same agenda. And um, <clears throat> my second point to that is I think this is where the human potential really needs to step up. What are your intentions trying to reach into the field and, and bring something into existence? Uh, because uh, it could be good or bad. Right. And this is where that alien talk gets into, they're here to conquer us versus they're here to help us. I mean, there's humans that I think would help me versus humans that would hurt me, right? Same right. thing. So I think that uh, the CE5s are real. And that's been going on for a long time. And two, if if that's true, which I think it is, then um, you need to be careful of what you're bringing into the field. It's like if you mess around with poltergeist or things like that, if you don't have the right you know, state of mind or your heart's not in the right place, you're asking for trouble. That's when you start having mm -hmm. really weird things and dangerous things going on. If you're approaching it as, you know, I want to help you, I want to learn. Do you have anything you want to tell us? Like you go with an open heart and usually you have a, a good experience, right? I don't do that myself. I'd never play with a Ouija board or anything like that. I don't like to invite things into my life. But I also believe if you're if your energy is bright, those things can't hurt you. You're, you know, nobody ever got stabbed with their own car keys from a poltergeist, right? But I do think maybe there can be yes, demonic things and weird shit that goes on. And 
I don't know what I don't know. And I reserve comment, but uh, I think if you go at it with the right heart with anything, even like with our show, we put in a lot of work. Uh, we have a lot of people that we could have on that were like, we don't think it's best for the movement. We want science-minded people, open-minded people. And it's, uh, you know, nobody knows, nobody's an expert. And there's so much infighting now, like on Twitter and everything else. Oh like, it's, yeah. you know, it's not helping the movement. Like, let's just stop with that. And let's, let's get smarter. Let's not just dabble in the dumb stuff, you know? Right. There can't be one person who knows everything about what's happening. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if we really believe that, then we're back to like, I don't know, 1300s. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe 6,000 right. years ago when this whole thing started in the first place. You know, like <laughs> there's not one person that knows everything. But there, there is a few in, uh, especially the, the field of ufology that one charge a lot of money for experiences and they claim to have all the answers. And that's where I get mad because for me, that's a charlatan, right? That's somebody selling snake oil. And saying, yeah, you can have this experience for $2,000. And that's where I have an issue with it is, you know, I'm okay and open to all ideas and concepts. But once I hear somebody makes tons of money doing something like that, I'm kind of like, oh, now I'm not too sure about, you know, if I believe it because there's that money exchange in there, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but no, you mentioned when Louis said nobody ever got uh, stabbed by keys, you were like, oh. <laughs> you objected a little bit. Yeah. Do, do you have a story? <laughs> story. I don't have the story, but there's got to be one story where that happened. You know, like somebody's sure. going to like write into you guys like, wait, that happened to me. I guess I'm not in the right oh, I'm state. Sure. Of I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> I think <laughs> they want to get your attention. That's what I meant. I use that stabbing of the keys as an example. But I think when they throw something across the room mm -hmm. or your cupboards open or whatever, it's something. And I've had a poltergeist experience. And in my case, it was chairs being rearranged in a business that i owned i'm the sole key holder and things are moved around and uh so i, I believe it's real but it never hurt me it wasn't overtly aggressive it's just and i consulted with other people who know about these things and they're like something's just trying to get your attention and i now that i look back i kind of think i know what it was about it was telling me that it was time to move on there was things happening energies that were not for me and you know, a big page was going to be flipped and that's exactly what happened. So I think it was more of, or maybe my energy was heightened and I was just attracting that kind of stuff to myself because maybe they saw that vulnerability and I created that vacuum and that's what came in. So I really don't know, but I know that things can do that for sure. So I believe in poltergeist. I just don't think they can really hurt you if, you know, if you have an open mind and you communicate with them, you know, I think we still reign yeah. superior. Or the most important thing uh, I'll, uh, is to have no fear. So, uh, and that's really, that's really with all of these experiences too. I feel that I've talked to a lot of people that have um, abduction experiences and they want them to stop. Like they've been going on since they were a kid and they're still having them and they're still coming. And, and they, they use techniques to say, I will you to stop. I have no fear. You cannot come here anymore. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that the best the explanation of that is in the well that's not new anymore but when they redid it and remember the clown yeah chasing them and they started making fun of the clown and the clown started shrinking right it's yeah. like love that movie it's not scary unless you make it scary yeah so yeah. that's where you where those kids figured out how much power they had over this thing that they were so afraid of 
Do do you find that you have a few favorite cases of all the cases that you had in the abduction uh, phenomenon? Is there like a few that stand out for you that that you you like, like a top three? Well, um, the reason I was invited to kind of narrate the story of Whitley Strieber was I think that this is a very important abduction experience. Um, this is a time in history in the 80s where there's not people talking about aliens. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's always been, like in Hollywood, a few alien movies, right? Um, this is before Spielberg. This is um, this is uh, this is a man who's already wealthy. He's a, a screenwriter. He's a you know successful. No need, yeah, he's successful. There's no need for him to come up with the story. Yeah. I always look at that too, right? Um, so he has this experience. It's so powerful that he then writes the book Communion, and the, he had to publish that face of Gray Alien. This is the first time. The people all over the world are seeing a published face of what a gray alien looks like. And what happened was thousands of people all over the world were like, I see this face. It comes to me at night too. So right. is that just because Whitley created this phenomenon in the field or had it been happening and no one had a platform to talk about it? So it's a famous case for me because it's a lot like other cases, right? It happens. Doesn't know why it's happening. It's um, frightening. It's not like it's pleasant. Um, he communicates with the thing. Eventually, he realizes they tell him this is for the betterment of humanity, and we want you to tell the story. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, but again, right? So now he has communication with these things. Right. And he still does to a point. And the reason why I think this is one of my favorites is because it's not that it's different than anybody else's, but it started the trend. So to me, I think. Did they purposely pick him to make themselves known within our consciousness? Right. And then the work with like Bud Hopkins and John Mack, you know, coming out like they, these, these guys had no reason to come out and talk about, you know, aliens abducting people because they mm -hmm. had successful careers. I mean, Harvard for crying out loud. Right. But yeah. yet they put their reputation on the line because they absolutely believe that this, you know, <clears throat> and it's either that it's really happening or it's a major mental illness that is known throughout the world now that is undiagnosed that we've never looked at before. So it's either one of those two things. So for me, I think it's it's the, the first because we've talked to Jim Semivan, who, while working for the CIA, had an experience with Grays in his room. That's crazy. The people in the CIA and the, the Defense Department are having experiences the same as we are. So we, here we are thinking like, you know, it's just happening to the public. No, it's happening to them as well. To humankind. Right. Yeah. 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 To everybody. So this is why it's becoming more and not having guys and, and, and women coming on and saying, you know, I've had these experiences. Uh, this is actually really happening. I'm starting to believe absolutely 100% that these abduction cases are legit. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, I've, I've, um, I, I'm just, I'm not going to say their names right now. Um, uh, one of them is on UFO witness. Uh, she's on the Colorado episode. She, um, she's similar to a lot of uh, Bud Hopkins work with um, several women where they're repeatedly taken 
and eggs are harvested. And then later on in life, they are still taken to then hold the human babies up in the spacecraft because they need human touch. They can't actually, even if they create them in a tube, they can't survive without human touch. And um, besides that, that's fascinating, you know, is that, does that play into the whole thing? Like they're trying to save our human race and all that kind of stuff that we talked about earlier on this podcast. But is that evidence of this thing that we have not figured out about what is so powerful about us? Right. And I'm not saying touch by itself, but is there something that humans radiate off of themselves? Like as there's some kind of power, yes, people talk about frequency and energy and all that kind of stuff, but there's gotta be something unique about the human existence for that to be special, that, that other beings would be coming here to investigate us or want to talk to us or use us as food, right? All those explanations. Right. We're just the best huggers. They just need a hug. <laughs> That's why they're here. Have and you we spooned with a human? They, they are so hug, comfortable. I wanted to ask you about some of your current projects. Like you mentioned UFO Witness. Great show. You've been on, a, I've seen a few episodes with you on it. And like, what? tell us about it and what else are you working on? Um, UFO witness. I did a, a bunch of shock docs for discovery plus, uh, you know, uh, alien Endgame. game. I just talked about the Whitley thing. Um, and then yeah, UFO witness season two with Ben Hansen. Um, we did, we did that whole thing. And then, um, I'm actually coming out with a documentary quite soon about Atlantis. Nice. Um, it's not necessarily about aliens, but there is, uh, a code that I have found that I think Atlantis is a metaphor for it's, I mean, I think it actually existed, but I think that the, the way we understand it from what Plato talks about is a, an actual code to kind of the opening of this field where we can make contact. Oh, complicated. more metaphorical base then. Atlantis yeah. is a metaphor yeah. for communication. It's a metaphor. Like, okay, it's a concentric circle city. It's in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. It's the measurements are this. Um, blah blah blah. But I think, and the people I've been interviewing, it's pretty fascinating. It's like I've gone myself into a deeper rabbit hole, but um, but it's pretty cool. So that's coming out uh, beginning of 2023. Um, I have a film called Black Knight Satellite where I cover that um, the the case of Black Knight Satellite, which is in 1952, 53, yep. um, and uh, that one. What's really interesting about that, that's already out. That's on Forbidden Knowledge TV. And we'll be selling that to major platforms soon. That was That's really discussing that there's a signal that's been trying to reach us. So we talk about the fact that it could be this Black Knight satellite since it keeps showing up and people keep seeing it. And it keeps, you know, we have more technology now to detect things like this. And um, <clears throat> But it talks about that people have been receiving signals and messages from this thing. And so is it an ancestral thing or is it just something from <clears throat> another uh, species that's monitoring us? Right. Even so. the, uh, ooh, I forgot how to pronounce that. Oomua, Oomua. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah that, that, that flew weird. Like that's, not, you know, if it was a, a, a rock or anything in space, it would have a trajectory that is pretty much predictable. This one just veered right off. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, you got the Avi Loeb now researching that. He's looking in the ocean as well. Yeah. So that's his new thing. So I was kind of thinking maybe the whole Atlantis thing and what he's looking for might be, you know, correlating somehow. But I'm, I, I used to be on the fence about Atlantis. And again, more I talk to people, the more I realize that maybe there's something there. Yeah, I think everything's a metaphor. You know, I, 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 again, my, my expertise is, is like meditation, aliens, ancient stuff quantum physics, right? We talk about all this stuff and then somehow they get put all in the same category, which is kind of strange, but in a way, it's this unknown place, right? Yeah. But with Atlantis and some of these ancient cultures and even like ready ancient aliens, I think everything is just a code if you can crack it. I, I think that they couldn't really say what they had to say. They had to leave it behind in a code because at a certain time we will figure out what it is that we are supposed to know. Right. It can't be revealed when they wrote some of those texts. Only a couple of people in the world understood it. Right. And even during the abduction cases, a lot of people say there's always some sort of message that's given about humanity, right? Like you guys, there's something wrong with your species or you guys are killing the planet or so there's always a message that they give to people, which I, I find that to be hopeful because that I don't believe in the threat narrative. I know a lot of people are pushing that threat narrative saying like, you know, we don't know what these things are. They could be a threat to the United States or Canada or England, Australia. I don't believe in that. I believe that if they're going to do some harm to us, they already would have done that. Um, if we're supposed if, to be slaves, we'd be slaves. Exactly. And even the abduction cases, uh, I was talking to somebody who was mentioning about how people are being tucked back into bed. You know, like being brought back, like just, yeah, it's just, and it's crazy because, you know, I know the experiences must be terrifying, but when you look at the overall, like what was there really damage done besides the psychological aspect of it to the person? Yes. If it's the pregnancy, like you mentioned, the hybrid uh, situation, but overall they don't seem to be, there's no malice there. There's no evil intent as far as we can tell. Yeah. I mean, I'm on, I'm in, I'm going to play neutral on that. I mean, there's a lot of shows that I get invited to be interviewed on that they do use the, they do talk about the threat narrative, but I right. think it's because people like drama, right? Right. Yeah. Have a show about how everybody's super nice. It's like, okay, well, it doesn't get the blood going when you're watching entertainment. But I think that just with anything, nothing is good and nothing is bad. Yeah. I think you have to really feel that out for yourself. I think that there, I've talked to a lot of people that, have not um, turned that corner and said that was a positive experience. They still think that that was pretty negative. Right. Um, yeah. And I don't want to be taken against my will. Um, and there's people that are like, okay, I'm going to embrace this because I got a message and there's a reason. And um, so I don't know. I play kind of neutral on that. I, I don't, I think like we discussed earlier in this documentary, like there's so many people picking other people apart and finding all these problems with everybody else that we're not yeah. helping the field. So I feel that if I stay neutral in that and and just uncover more of these truths, then then we're actually going to get to the bottom of what's happening. Why? Right. Yeah, that's the right mindset to have. Again, yeah. if you go at it with this is right, this is wrong, or you're only going to research your bias, you're only going to look at stuff that you believe to be true. You could be missing most of it because you're you've got blinders on. You're so focused on no, no, it's got to be this. Well, what right. if it isn't? And your entire career has been for nothing, right? So. If you want to find the answer, don't sort of look for what you think is the answer. 
listen to everything. Our show is the same platform. Sometimes we have people on here and they have certain opinions we may not share, but it's good for the whole subject. Let's bring all the information to the table. Let's not look at half the data. You know, I think Jacques Vallée was mentioning that on the Nimitz, when they came and took those footage after the TikTok or the TikTok video, how do you really study something with half the data? There's not a scientist in the world that would say that's the right way to go about doing it. So bring it all to the table. Uh, we all have an equal seat because nobody has proof. Nobody knows for sure. And nobody's a quote unquote expert. So let's have some humility. And who knows, maybe the study of ufology makes us more understanding and tolerant of each other. Maybe that's just good for humanity in general. It's just this topic that lights that fire. This is the catalyst. So all positive things moving forward. It made me realize that people are idiots, usually, you know, as a whole, like, you know, as a species. (laughs) I think it's pretty well a guarantee at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what my revelation was about this whole thing. Uh, people are idiots. Yeah. <laughs> like you, in in a day, you keep a, a pen and paper handy, and at, at the end of the day, you'll have at least forty names on there, right? Like it's just crazy. The, the world's nuts. Uh, where can people find you online? Sure. Um, I have uh, social media: Facebook, Instagram, uh, just Melissa Tittle. And then um, you can look up my studio to see when things are launching, haplerstudios.com. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah. yeah but you're pretty it. much everywhere. Somebody can just Google you and they'll find you. Yeah. Apparently, if you Google me, I'm worth like $20 million. So oh, really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. My um, my stepson brought that up to me. He's like, I heard you're worth $20 million. It's crazy the stuff you find online once your name starts getting out there, right? And you've your name is out there. So it's crazy the stuff that you'll you'll find, right? Uh that's crazy. Louis, do you have any final questions for our guest today? No, I just want to extend a really warm thanks, uh, Melissa, for coming on our show. You're a powerhouse for women, uh just in like TV and filmmaking, but as well as the field of ufology and consciousness and everything. Uh, we're super happy to have you on. We'd love to have you back anytime. If yes. you have any uh, cool new projects or anything in the future you want to discuss. Anytime. You're, uh, you're among family here. We'd love to have you back. So thanks again for being on our show and best of luck. Uh, keep killing it. Awesome. Yep. Hope to talk to you guys soon. Yeah.